The other one that I don't understand, most of us love fire more than EMS. Uh, when they change CPR, we bitch for like a week and then we move on with our lives. But if you change fire attack and nozzles, everybody, it's like, it's this whole, like people take it so personally, like they have done something wrong and they'll fight you for years over it. And I, I just, I don't know. I, I don't understand it. They'll, they'll listen to the EMS data, but they don't want to hear science and data on the fire side. Firehouse Vigilance presents the Weekly Scrap, a podcast dedicated to the never-ending fight against complacency. Corley Moore, Firehouse Vigilance. It is Weekly Scrap number 188. Here we go. Tonight's guest is Derek Roberts. Derek is a captain with South County Fire, Washington, but is a nozzleman at heart. In his 23-plus years, he has been extremely involved with the engine operations and fire research technology advisory groups for his department. He is also a lead engine operations and live fire instructor for the Snohomish County Fire Training Academy. My brother, Derek Roberts, I have been looking forward to the scrap, and it's my pleasure to have you as the guest of Weekly Scrap number 188. Welcome, my brother. Thanks, Corley. Uh, yeah, this is pretty awesome. Uh Corley and I were just talking before we got going. We haven't met yet in person, so uh, he gets to hear all fresh stories, uh, and and we get to we get to learn each other as we go. So we're pretty excited. I said it's all brand new. I've never heard them before. I get to laugh at all of them like the fresh pr- uh, punchlines. There we go. Kyle Romick just said, "Most beautiful man I ever saw." <laughs> just just know that these teeth aren't mine. I had them redone. Um, this is just made me look like 10 years younger. <laughs> right on, brother. Nick, uh, Nick Deline said, looks better with his mustache. Uh, stoked for the scrap from Samuel Carraway. I am too, brother. I am absolutely stoked for it. So let's get it going. James Michalisco said, audio is good, Sam. We are good to go. Everybody say thank you to Sam. Uh, is there anything I missed in the intro? Anything you want to add that I'd left out or would like to ex- expound upon? No, man. The only thing uh, that I didn't add in my bio and need to is uh, I'm a husband. I'm a dad. I got three kiddos, 16, 10, and one. Uh, it's why I do all this. And a big part of it is uh, I believe it was Shannon Stone that said, uh, judge yourself by your children's standards. Right on. Uh, man, I tell you, you, when you, uh, when you internalize that and you truly think on my next fire, what would I do if it was my wife or, or these kiddos? Um, and death's an option, man. Uh, so anyways, I just want to throw out that I'm a family man. It's pretty important to me too. One hundred percent, brother. I love that. And and sixteen, ten, and one. That is quite uh, the spread. <laughs> and That's... and let me just clarify: not a second marriage. Okay, we're just right terrible at planning. All right. The <laughs> uh, the last one we call him a bonus child. So uh, hey, yeah. Uh, happy little accidents. I think that's Bob Ross. Yes, <laughs> it is a happy uh, little accident. <laughs> Kyle, my man, Romagus, Mr. Smoothbore Cartel himself, Engine Company Resections. He is here. He is looking at your comments, your questions. He is gathering them. So please, please, please throw your comments, throw your questions at Derek, at me, at Kyle, and we will grab them. We will dissect them, and we will do our best to make sense of them and answer them. Uh, The Vigilantes. Please go to firehousevigilance.com, become a member of the Vigilantes. Five measly dollars a month, and you are part of the exclusive community, exclusive discounts, exclusive swag, and access to influence the future of the scrap. Uh, we just added the ability to sign up for a year at a time, so you don't, if you don't like monthly subscriptions, I get that. Uh, we're doing Vigilante meetups. We have our first like actual 
put together well FDIC vigilante meetup on Thursday while we're out there in Indianapolis. So if you're part of the vigilantes, you can be a part of that. Uh, with that being said, let's do the part where we talk about sponsors. This episode is brought to you by Key Hose. Check them out on Facebook, The Hose Experts. Coming up soon, Michigan's premier fire conference is back June 15th through the 17th in Macomb Township. Three days of awesome, including full-scale live fire scenarios, lectures, and skill building. Everything from incident command, engine and truck company operations, as well as skills for surviving a Mayday event. This is some of the most realistic fire training you will attend by instructors who collectively have over 100 years of experience in the fire service. There are only a few spots left. It's not even about registration here when they when they're advertising. It's uh there's only a few spots left. It's gonna sell out. Uh for all the conference information about it, check out their Facebook page. Um Michigan, uh yeah, absolutely. It's gonna be an amazing time. Uh finally, uh net next, affordable drill tower, firefighter owned and operated. The only thing you can't do in an affordable drill tower is live fire. Affordable drill tower, you can repel, stretch hose lines, go through the stairs, go through the floor. Do window bailouts, cut holes in the roof props, use the apartment balconies, pump into the FDC or flow water from the sprinkler systems. Call Steve, 844-55-TOWER, or drop an email to info at affordabledrilltowers.com. And then finally, looking to streamline your fire and EMS training programs? Introducing the Fire Academy. Schedule, deliver, and track everything in your organization Get the highest rated online training from industry leaders backed by Fire Engineering, FDIC International, and GEMS. Sign up for your free trial at thefireacademy.com. And with that, we officially get all of the housekeeping out of the way and get to the scrap, get to Derek Roberts. Kyle is already grabbing questions, but we're throwing it right into the beginning. Man, uh... I actually reached out to Rob Fisher, who's one of my favorite people on the planet, and said, hey, I have Derek Roberts on, so please send me some good insight and some good questions to ask him. So I got stuff coming at you from Rob Fisher also. But I always ask my guests what they want to talk about. And one of the first things you said was how to teach new people. So I'm going to keep it very broad, throw it at you as an opening question and say how to teach new people. Derek Roberts, go. I love it, man. Uh, So speaking of Rob Fisher, I started in 1999 uh, with Snohomish County Fire District 7, uh, which is uh, now called uh, Snohomish Regional Fire and Rescue. That's where uh, Chief Fisher works. Uh, So I really don't know the fire service without a person like Chief Fisher. Uh, And it's kind of one of the things I wanted to touch on. Um, I guarantee everybody listening to this, we have those mentors, we have those generations. uh, And it seems like you know, I, I think that each generation looks at the newest generations coming into the fire service, and it's easy to look at the problems, if you will, right? Um, you know, for me, I was an 18-year-old kid, uh, you know, came from a little bit of a broken home and, uh, you know, just parents divorced, those kind of things, and I didn't exactly have my head on straight. Uh, the fire service saved my life. Um, yes. But with having a guy like Rob Fisher in my life, like, I never had to question how important this job was. I didn't know it when I got there. Um, but I got to work most of my time there at District 7 on Ladder 72 um, on the opposite shift of Rob. So we saw each other, uh, C and D shift, we saw each other every morning. Like uh, I've had so many people uh, just just instill how important this job is. So I guess like first point that I'll hit with new people, uh, you hear that a lot. Well, they don't know and they don't have this work history and they don't have uh, all this experience. And 
I'm sure everyone out there is probably having the same problem our region is. And it's not even really a problem. It's just we are hiring people younger and with less experience. Right. Yes. Um, back in the day when I was testing, I mean, uh, you would get a guy five years, no problem. Five years as a part time firefighter somewhere. Put yourself through school. Um, and now we're hiring people right off the street, you know, sometimes some places without even any sort of training, no EMT, no nothing. Um, so with that, uh, something I talked about with uh, one of my favorite young guys, uh, Anthony Cassanis, uh, super good young guy in my department, very engaged uh, brother on the job. Uh, and we talked about how when these kids comes in, you have no influence on their past. Right? I mean, there's nothing you can do. I don't hire. I don't fire. Uh, I'm there to train a new generation. So if I have uh, nothing to do to change their past, then all I have uh, is am I willing to put in the work to help guide their future? Ooh. So uh, I think that and when you look at that, like, look at these kids. I mean, we all know they'll ask questions. If I had to open my mouth at a table of adults, uh, my old man was a logger. He was tough as nails, man. I wouldn't have thought twice about that. Is there some good things in respect there? Sure. Um, but this generation is so inquisitive and their hearts are pure. I think they truly want to know why. Um, you know, in my region, we went through a long phase in, in the Pacific Northwest of penciling being a fire attack, right? Sure. sure. Uh, for those not familiar, God, I'm, you're lucky. Um, but these short bursts and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> so that kind of stuff happens. I mean, I think everyone from my generation, we had multiple moments while we were doing that, like, this isn't working and, and why wouldn't we just flow water? Well, I never asked why, because that my generation, like it was like blind followership, right? Right. So, uh, the fact that they're asking questions uh, is a good thing, right? So take that time um, to, to educate them and to, and to guide them. Um, with that, like, we all know people, I mean, for me, a guy hired in 1977 or 78, Captain Chomos, uh, this guy is the fire service to me. When I started at where I work now, South County Fire, uh, Chomos uh, was just, he was the go-to guy. He had the history. He was engaged. He was still teaching. He went to the training division, but the guy's got 38 years on the job and he's still going up till the day he retired. And then those guys leave. And I, I think whether you got five years, 10 years, whatever, uh, we can step in. We got to be those guys for the next generation. So, you know, we look at these heroes, yet are we doing what it takes to make ourselves those same kind of mentors for this younger generation? No, so, I love it. Uh, I'm a huge podcast guy. I, I I'll quote things today that I have no idea who said them, um, yes. but I love the quote that there is uh, there's no bad teams. There's only bad coaches, right. right? Like leadership is a real thing. And I have got to watch uh, for my experience uh, since 2018, uh, we've hired like 170 new firefighters in my fire department in the last Ooh. five years. Okay. Yeah. That's so, some turnover, brother. Oh, it's some super turnover. So yeah. we, had, we had one retirement where almost a thousand years of fire service uh, time went out the door. Yeah. One retirement, like 27 guys out the door and you start looking around like, well, where's all the adults? And this, oh shit, it's me. Yeah. This is my I'm thing. the adult now. Yeah. Well, that's debatable, but, uh, but it is my time, right? This is my but, time. But, to but I want to say that is, that is a mindset when you don't realize that you are the adult in the room, you know what I'm saying? And, and but I still feel like a kid 26 years into the service. And I still feel like I'm a kid. Like, yeah. And people look yeah. at me like, no, you're the old man. And I'm like, damn it. No, I'm not. But I, but yeah, sorry, go. No, you're good. You're good. I want to break your flow. No, you're, you're perfect. Uh, and that's exactly what I'm getting at is like, 
uh, I have watched and, and with great leadership and great training, like, uh, let me tell you something, Corey, I'm super lucky. We have a training consortium that does an academy together, right? We sat down, we came up with curriculum. Well, our engine curriculum is based off Aaron Fields and Nozzle Forward. Pretty lucky guys in our backyard, right? right? Um, like, again, I have made up nothing, nothing. I am not original in any sort of way. Like, this is, this is just guys like us that, that, that feel the need to be good at what we're going to do. We know how important it is. And, and we see, we see a niche that needs us to come in there and fill it. So I have this group and we came up with a curriculum and agreed upon it as a County. And it's all, I mean, it's VES, it's beyond the door, it's nozzle forward, it's flowing and moving. Like it has all the right things. Right. So you take this generation that some, some may say, oh, this is the weakest generation. And I say, no, I say, absolutely not. Because I've had the exact opposite experience. I will, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to let you in on a little, uh, like, skeleton in the closet. Five or six years ago, our fire attack models were embarrassing. I would just say that, right? Like um, we got bit by the same bug a lot of people did, which the intentions were pure of like, everybody goes home, right? right? So we went down this path of, of, of putting ourselves first, right? Like putting the firefighter first, um, which I think everyone listening to this, this webcast probably knows, like if you put the citizens first, it'll be inherently safe for us. Like right if we're doing things based off of them surviving, we know it's inherently good for us. So if we're going to go down this, this path and teach all these things, I have watched uh, the first class, 18, one, I don't know, five, six, eight people, then 15, then 20, then another 15, then three academies in one year, minimum of two academies every year. And now all of a sudden, I'll tell you out of, I don't remember the numbers, but uh, basically, we, let's say we had 100 fires last year uh, at my department out of 15 stations, uh, which I know isn't, you know, it's not Detroit work, um, but it's work and uh, it's honest work. And uh, uh, we had two defensive fires last year. So we have gone from what I would say is a 60, 70 percent uh, offensive to defensive ratio to like basically upper 90 percentile. Like we are an offensive fire uh, department occupying interior space and spreading and if it's water. not occupiable we make it occupiable Hell yeah with the water right so right. and this is default aggressive it's off the rig it's on tank water right if you ain't using your tank water well, i don't know if you're saving it for the next fire or what but like we will we will hit that quick um and we're hitting things from all angles and i will tell you this the younger generation they're gonna run circles around me like I, I look at them, they're five years or less. The group I'm talking about in my department are five years or less. So I think about like, it took me and you 20 some odd years to get where we're at and look where they're starting. Yes, right? where they're starting, dude. It's a, it's unreal. It's amazing. So and let me, um, let me uh, I want to dig into a few things you said before we get, I mean, because this is uh, uh, no influence on their past. Man, I absolutely love that as a byline. We don't get to pick their past. The fact that they can start a lawnmower by pulling a lever and punching a button has nothing to do with their understanding of two cycle engines. We only get to understand their two cycle engines from this point forward, man. That is phenomenal. That's great. Um, hearts are pure. Their hearts are pure and their motivations don't assign their motivations. But the biggest thing is the internet. Uh, and, and this is what didn't exist uh, at least in the way it's in everybody's palm of their hand today. So for people to ask why now, it's just normal. It's like back in the day, someone could tell me a, a senior man or, or someone on the job could tell me because I said so. And yeah. it was, it was, I was risking a fat lip to say, but why? 
you know, because I oh. said so. That's it, you know. But now totally. it's it's there. Like they can look it up. Like because you said so, but there's this, you know. Yeah, I, I 100% agree. When information is at your fingertips, no longer can you hide by behind just, you know, your your tribal knowledge or your yes. anecdotal knowledge. And like, it's not figurative li- fingertips. It's not figurative. This oh, is literal. Like Yeah. Exactly. So uh so that I mean that for me, like I don't know. I'm sure a ton of us feel the same way that I do. Like, why didn't I figure out that flowing and moving was the right way to fight fire? Why, you know, when you have a fire that leaves its box and it's moving down the hallway, like, why didn't I figure it out? It, it's all very common sense. Or uh, nozzle forward straight stick. If you're going to go in the front door and take a right, and if you put your bite to the left, you don't rub any friction points. Like, we didn't think of that because we didn't ask why. We just followed marching orders, right? So pencil, um, pencil, pencil, marching orders. So and that that actually brings me right into a point of how our academy teaches. And again, like I've created none of this. I'm not trying to claim like I'm super smart. I've just I've just put in a lot of hours into trying to be good at it. Um, but instead of like you know, here's your tools for the toolbox, which uh, I think most of us know that like on a professional level, like a tool for your toolbox is like you know like the Swiss Army knife approach. If you're a professional, like. Are you going to, do you want the surgeon that's just like, oh, tool for my toolbox? Oh, this one's close enough. No. Do you, like, if a mechanic needs a deep well 12.10 millimeter, that's the socket he needs and he picks nothing else because it's the right socket for the job that he's doing. And so, what I love is, is, you know, using that RPDM or OODA loop or whichever model you'd like to base it off of. But it's win this, do this. If not that, do this. If not that, do this. Right. You get those three options and you can go deeper into military studies where most people, um, when their heart rate's up at 150, they can think of two to three things, right? right? So this, uh, for me, uh, I was told a lot um, at our state fire academy, you'll know when you get there. It's like, I just learned the difference between fabric softener and laundry detergent, right? Like I was 18 years old. <laughs> I didn't know, I couldn't buy my ass with both hands and a map, right? I mean, it was just, I was new and, and ignorant and young and naive and all these things. And And then to give all this information and say, you'll know when you get there, um, you know, that's, that's not how that works, but I could tell you success story or in success story of, um, I'll give you a short one, a uh, guy in my fire department, zero experience, uh, whatsoever, went to a local community college, went through their program and then got hired. Okay. So like that never hadn't been inside of a fire station except for a birthday party when he was five. Okay. So we send him through this program and we teach all these ways to fight fire. And when you open the line, right. And uh, seeing moving dark smoke is a great time to open the line because it's hot. That's why it's moving, right? So this guy's never been on a fire. Goes to his first fire uh, with, at the time, Captain Hughes, who's one of my favorite humans, uh, and literally goes in, and he remembers out of nozzle forward, for those that speak nozzle forward, insurance is a time to do a hit and move. Like, I don't know what's going on. I don't see any fire. I can't figure anything out, but I got smoke and I got heat. I'm going to flow for a little bit, right? So this guy knows nothing else but how he was coded by our countywide fire academy. So he goes into a hoarder house on a Bravo entrance. They can't figure anything out. The tick's doing no good because things are stocked up so big. And he he called me later and said, it was because of my training. I sat there and I was like, oh God, I can't see. It's kind of hot. We don't know where the fire is. Oh yeah, shit, boom, opens the line. Slows for his 10 seconds, right? Shuts down and it's like, oh, well it's better. And then the captain gets through with the tick, realizes it wasn't even a huge fire. They just couldn't get water where it needed to go because the horror right. condition. Right? right. So anyways, it's things like that that are just proof in the pudding that 
um, they're not looking for a bag of tricks. Like you need to give them a decision-making process. Um, so like simple things, the way I like to say it through my voice is like, you should walk into the building, like, give me a reason to open this nozzle. Right. I want you looking for an excuse to push. That's, that's your goal. So if you walk into the one bedroom fire, I hope that in their mind, they're like, they cross the threshold, like, give me a reason, not here. Get to the hallway. Give me a reason. Okay. You know, time to shine. If you're a fan so, of binaries is what I'm, what I'm getting at. Binary, <laughs> yes. Sure. Yes. Yeah. I just, no. I, I just love like, uh, I think Romagus is the one who calls it orders by deviation, right? Like yes. here's your, here's your plan A, plan A working, plan B, here's your plan B, here's your plan C. And when you give them that, like, are we giving them the keys to everything they're going to see in the American fire service? Uh, no, not all the keys, right? That takes an entire career to find all right. those keys, right? Those are the things that you learn, but to set that solid baseline, uh, it, it's just, it, it has changed my organization. Um, I've always loved this job, but I get up even earlier. Right? Right. I get to work even earlier. Uh, I listen to a fire podcast every morning, my hour and a half drive to work. And then I listen to one about being a good human to come home. So my wife doesn't leave me. Right. Like, so I, I just, <laughs> this makes me. Want to be well, hold on. <laughs> I want to ask, I want to ask questions and, and no pressure for me at all. So don't, don't but I want to know what podcast you listen to. Cause I love passing words on, on good stuff. That's good to listen to. Totally. So uh, yes, I pull up the scrap and do YouTube as long as I plug my phone in. Uh, Cause otherwise it eats your phone battery alive in an hour and a half. Um, uh, journeyman podcast for me, uh, field is journeyman podcast. Oh. If I've listened to that less than 30 times, Dude, every person in the planet should, if you were in training at all, you have to listen to that as like mandatory hundred percent. I think it's episode four or three. Yeah. And I, I just listened to it probably three or four months ago for, I'm not exaggerating. I'm going to say in the 20 to 30 range. And I had to pull over on the side of the freeway to write something down because it was something I hadn't heard or I hadn't taken it the same way. And I had to take notes, uh, Laguerre, right? Uh, Laguerre's yes. same yes. thing from the Union podcast. That thing's great. Uh, I've heard every grabs there is, yes. um, you know, um, basically everything, the Pipeman podcast, uh, especially Which is the more coming. Guy. There's more coming. Yeah. Yes. I, I know. I'm one of the freshly recorded. It's going to be great. Very handsome. <laughs> Very handsome guy. Uh, no, I mean, uh, I stick through a lot of it. I'll tell you, I'll start a few, you know, I know when they're for me and when they're not. Uh, and I think we all do that. You start a few and you're like, mm, not for me, but, uh, yeah, just staying in those things uh, on your way to work, it just gets my mind in that mindset, right? So, yeah, anyways, that's what I've been listening to. Uh, let me be clear. Journeyman podcast, Journeyman Firefighter podcast. It's the yep. one with the coffee stain. Uh, yep. I, yeah, that, that, but episode, Aaron Fields episode, I, w- I want to say it's number four. Don't quote yeah. me, it might be number three, but number four. And then, and like you said, Dennis Legears. but I want to be very clear on those. Uh, two of my favorite all-time podcasts ever. Uh, okay, um, coming at you. First question from the audience. This one comes from down in Texas. Tom Hollick, uh, one of the tallest, sexiest people I know. He says, I'm looking into building an engine company manual for my department. What would you expect the biggest hurdles to be? What were the biggest hurdles that you came across while building yours? Perfect. Uh, so I'm going to tell you this. Uh, it has to be simple. It has to be uh, easy and there has to be pictures because firefighters look at pictures and don't read. Um, uh, just on a side note, uh, hopefully you could put my contact info in here and I will send you South County's manual. Uh, if somebody nice. wants it. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, for us, like I got lucky during COVID. I was in the training division during COVID uh, and they let us work from home. 
we needed to finish. We needed to redo the engine manual. Uh, myself and uh, one of my best friends, Todd Weigel, we literally wrote the engine manual in two 10-hour days. Done. Like, handled. And uh, I'll tell you this. Like, in mine, uh, like, the hurdle you'll the hurdles you'll have is just the wording. Like, we sat there. There's a few sentences in my engine manual that took us, like, 35 minutes on one sentence. Because it was having to do with, like, from an engine company perspective, when do we go into rescue mode? Right. So it says something to the effect of like, if you can remove a conscious victim from the IDLH quicker than you can remove the IDLH from the victim, right. then that should be considered. Right. Um, but I put everything. So we're changing culture. We're a bulk bed heavy department now, but we came from a pre-connect heavy department. So my advice while you're writing that manual is if you're pushing bulk beds, then the first handline stretch that you list on your engine manual, is the bulk bed. Right. Like don't list the pre-connect first because that's the first thing they're going to read. Don't make them go any deeper. Most people, when they find a section on attack lines, they might read the first two sentences. So uh, I'm sure there's people from my department that didn't even know this. If you go back through our engine manual, for those from my department listening, we listed everything in the order of which you should do it. So when it comes to supply lace, it's tank water first, right? The next one is two tanks, tank to tank, right? The next supply option is a reverse lay. Why? Because we bought pumpers, not polars, right? So we should be looking for reasons to, to reverse out when we're going to start laying a bunch of LDH on the ground, we should look like that should be in our hierarchy of decision-making. Just like we talked about with when this do this, if not that do this, if not that do this. So my biggest advice is for each section of that manual, like supply lays, attack, all those things, write it out in the order of which you think people should be doing business. Right. And it's like a subliminal deal. Um, I'll take credit for it. Todd probably thought of it, my homie, because he's smarter than I am, but I'm going to take credit on this podcast because I don't see his face. So speaking of sexy faces, Jay Bonifield has a question for you. No, no. <laughs> he said, ask Derek Roberts, the difference between Roberts and Rogers. I don't know if there's oh. a story here or not, but. Okay. So when we teach together, uh, which Jay and I, uh, and like Brennan Grace and KP and hop, like our, our main engine core, these guys are my homies. We're, we're all from different departments, um, but we've done all this together. So we're all pretty tight. And basically, uh, whenever I was being an asshole, they would start calling me Rogers. It was like my ultimate alter ego. The alter like, ego. I'm usually, I'm usually the fun, nice guy, right? Like most people will tell you that I'm the fun guy. I'm mildly inappropriate. Like I like to um, tell at least one joke a day. That's so funny. HR wants to hear it. Uh, you know, like I like to have a good time. However, I get on these little certain things that, you know, that pick at me, that, that piss me off. And so when I start being the one that's like being more hard on the recruits and having higher accountability and calling them out on the small little mistakes that they're making, they always look over because that's kind of uncharacteristic for me. And then, so they started calling me Rogers and then they started making me wear my other helmet. So I have like, I have a, I wear a traditional helmet, but I have a training helmet. that's one of those like Phoenix small ones. And they would be like, They'd want me to wear that one because then they know when I'm being a jerk. Right, right. Yeah, that's that's Rogers versus Roberts. Thanks, Jay. Super, super helpful. <laughs> it's almost like the what 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 was Ted Lask uh, Ted Lasso's alter ego like Led Tasso or whatever it was. Exactly. Exactly. Yes, yes exactly. I love it. Uh, all right, coming at you. Let me see if I got questions. Uh, Nick Deline Deline. Forgive me, Nick, if I get your name wrong. Nick DeLine says, tips for firefighters getting off probation. 
wanting to spread knowledge and become better at the craft and teach engine operations. So basically, you're a new person on your department and you want to have an impact. It's a question I get a lot, so I'd love to hear your take on it. Yeah, I, I love that. And Nick, I'll throw you five bucks for the lead in because it was in my notes of what I wanted to talk about today. So sweet. Uh, for one, uh, again, get my contact info. I've had so many probies get off probation and say, hey, I don't know what to do next. So I actually, in my own department, I created a list of things you can do. Here's all the podcasts you have to listen to. Here's all the studies you, I need you to read. Like, here's your next level, right? Um, but with that, my biggest piece of advice, and every time somebody calls me, I tell them the first thing is email the training division. Most people have a, a, a blanket. It goes to everyone in your training division. So I just say email your training division and just say, hey, I want to get involved. I want to be teaching. I want to be involved in making this better. Throw your name out there and just say, you need anything, let me know. And sometimes the first thing they got called for was, hey, we need people to help us decon all these air packs from live fire training last week. Right. right? Well, guess what? That's your foot in the door. And this is this has actually happened with our people. Those guys came in for five hours and scrubbed 30 air packs from live fire training that week at, at the place that we burn up in Gold Bar. That's how it starts. Well, who do you think's uh, in the forefront of the training division's mind when they go, you know what? We need somebody on a Rick training day. So-and-so sick. So-and-so hurt their ankle, whatever. So my advice is just send that statement of like, I want to be involved. I want to get out there and I want to train. Nice. Um, if you don't have that inside your own agency, maybe you're too small or you don't have an academy you can go help at. Like for our guys, we have a shadow program. We do shadow instructors. So these young guys can come out and they, we get like one to two shadow instructors a day and they get to teach alongside a lead, right? So they can kind of learn. And then if they're killing it, then we'll bring them on as an actual instructor. If you don't have something like that, uh, fool's chapters, right? Get yourself involved. Uh, there's local fool's chapters. I'm not currently a fool anymore, um, but I started with the Puget Sound Fools in about 03, I want to say 04, whenever, like right after they started it up here. Um, so staying involved in training with your local fool's chapter, uh, and from there, it's funny, I just had this discussion today. I had a, a team's meeting for work. I had this discussion today of be the guy, like, if you came into work in the morning, I don't care if your crew's the one that doesn't like to train. Hey, Cap, can we dry stretch a line today? Right. Hey, Cap, can we go do this today? Can we go right. make this? And the answer might be no. But what about the next day? What about the next shift, right? Like, constantly be trying. And if they don't want to do those things, uh, I tell these guys, go start training in the bay. Because after a minute, right, even those guys that have gotten maybe a little complacent in their career, the guilt, the shame, like I don't like to use guilt and shame as a motivator, but occasionally it's the only motivator that's going to work. That's right? left, yeah. Um, so mine is mine would be just stay on the gas, man. Just stay on the gas pedal. Um, and uh, I just know that when you want something in life, like work is the only answer to go get it. Um, work solves most of life's problems. Love so. Yeah, if that's something you want, man, just start finding work. Uh, it's like on on fires. We all know, like, I don't know what we're gonna fix my fire department, like almost 100% someday. We're really close. I'm very, very proud of my fire department. It's awesome. an amazing fire department that has turned over and changed on its head literally overnight, um, and it's amazing. Um, but I don't know what we're gonna do. There's like that 20, 30% on fires that aren't looking for work. And right now, if you are looking for work, it's easy to find it. You can sneak by those couple of crews that you know are like, oh, they, they parked over here or they didn't get up to the scene very quick. Like, I don't know what we're going to do when we get everybody looking for work. It's going to be even harder. I guess you just end up like the Detroit Fire Department where everyone just attacks the building simultaneously. Um, but, yeah, just 
just like on fires, always be looking for work. That's my advice to you, Mr. Nick DeLine. Powerful. Uh, I got one coming at you from James Michalisco. He wants to know, Derek, with an exclamation point. Derek, this is kind of a soft toss. Kind of, you can take it whatever direction you want. Smooth bore or fog nozzles and why? Seven eighths or 15 sixteenths. Okay. Well, um, I, I, obviously America's tip, the seven eighths tip. Um, and I'll tell you, um, like, I'm going to tell you that because it's a fact, like not enough people use this. It's a fact. It's okay. a fact that the seven eighths is better. And I'll give you the fact, uh, NIST in 1985. And then again, in 1992 tested these two supposed sister nozzles, right. Um, where they were flowing their smooth bore at thousand degree temperatures and they were flowing their straight stream at thousand degree temperatures. I don't remember exactly the millimeter of water droplet size, but I do know this, that even with your seven eights, only 40% of your water is penetrating the thousand degree temperatures, mm-hmm. hitting ceilings and riding. With a straight stream on a smooth bore, or excuse me, on a combo, when you go to a straight stream, only 12% of the water was penetrating the thousand degree temperatures. I don't know about you guys, but my wife and everybody else's wife or husband or whoever, the Amazon Prime guy drops something off for the house almost every day. So we know the thousand degree temperatures exist in every room fire and beyond that we are going to. So if I know that only 40% of my water is good on a seven eights, and I know that it is less, uh, it's only 12% on a straight stream with a fog nozzle, then once again, it's not my opinion. It is fact that a seven eights is better. And I wish people would draw out this old study, um, go to engine company resurrection file section. Uh, I believe that's where they have it listed. Kyle, you could probably type in and tell me, I'm pretty sure it's in there. Right on, man. Right on. Is this in quantitative? Is that the uh, article or is it in, in other stuff? Is it, uh, uh, what do they I say? I think That's... it is in quantitative. I, I think yeah. it is. I, I think, think so. it is. Part one um, and two. Yes. Yeah. And I mean, they tested it and then tested it again and they came up with the same data. Um, another Sorry. one, Firefighting Principles by Clark. The volume I have is from 74. There's Blue a whole, um, they did an anecdotal study and they also came up with the same thing that a smooth bore, although I believe back then they were testing half inch. Uh, I don't remember off the, don't quote me on what size sure. tip, but they were sure. testing hog on straight stream versus smooth bore uh, way back in the seventies. And their data was the same thing. Go read it. It's like in the second chapter. Kyle's got your back. He said a quantitative approach to nozzle selection and streams by Eric Bridges and Jason Vestal. Uh, there you go. Thank you. I, I've got a printed out version here somewhere. I'd like to hold up and say, dude, it, it, it's like some some serious, like uh, easy to understand, nerdy shit. Like that. That's the easiest way to explain it, dude. Totally. And uh, just on a side note, like if a tool has an option, they will use it, right? So and when we get too crazy, like uh, when you have a fog nozzle, somebody's going to use it. Or how many times have you gone? and open the nozzle with fog nozzles. I started with TFT fog nozzles, right? Uh, adjustable gallonage, uh, some of the worst nozzles you could possibly have. Not saying you can't put out fire with them and you can't save humans with them. But if you have a choice, right, they're very problematic. And I can't tell you how many times you watch somebody open their fog nozzle to a wide fog. It'd be a right. real bad time if you really needed that water to open it in that pattern. So and that's, and, and that's and that's a really good point you just made, which is the fact that, that that just because there is a better tool doesn't mean that what you've used hasn't worked in the past. And we're not downplaying your anecdotal or your or your experience, but just the fact the data is the data. The facts are the facts. Totally. 
Totally. Like, and if you go anywhere that's fought fire for a long time, like an FDNY, I mean, they're not going to call it the new push attack and you're not going to have a conversation about fog nozzles because they call push attack fire attack, right? And they call a smoothbore nozzle a nozzle. Now, some of that might have been just refusal to change and they just happen to be right for the data. I would say probably not because, uh, you know, if you get to fight enough fire, you get enough work, you get time and time again to prove it. But the data exists, the tribal knowledge exists, right? The the data or, or the articles or the people that you talk to, or even people like me who we have watched fires that were defensive going out before the tank water is out, right? I right, mean, that is right, a real right. thing. Uh, I talked about them earlier, AC. Those guys pulled up on a uh, ranch or a rambler, depending where you're from, 14, 1,600 square feet with fire out every window except for the living area, but it was all dark smoke. It lights off, hit and move into a push, push down the whole hall with the three rooms of fire in the bathroom, And by the time they walked out, that's when they were charging the hydrant, right? That fire in my agency 10 years ago might have been defensive 50-50 on the officers, right? And now it's going out with tank water. So I know, like, not only does the data show it, I know in my heart of hearts, because I watch it every day, uh, that a 7-8 smoothbore is better than a fog nozzle on straight stream. And that was way more than you asked for, but that's what you got. <laughs> Beyond anecdotal, James Mitchellisco, thank you for the great question. He's like he said, way more than you asked for, but that's what you get. Tyler Jacobson coming at you. Cap, can you talk about the choices made on the new SCF engine spec? So this yeah, is very I, specific to you, but go ahead. Yeah, I could hit that real quick. Um, so I was very fortunate. My department brought Dennis Laguerre in. SCF uh, being South County Fire. I just want to be clear. Correct. Washington, Washington. Go ahead. That's uh, so Dennis Laguerre uh, came in to help us with our hose and nozzle study. Um, it, it's not that we needed uh dennis it's just that you guys know you're never a prophet in your own town and when we were first making these changes to bring in a nationally recognized human uh just made things so much easier so i got to be friends uh with dennis over the last few years we've got to do some stuff together outside of my work and uh i love dennis he's a great human uh and just know this if you become friends with him if you answer the phone you better have a minimum of 60 minutes at minimum least. at least and that's just the that's just the intro so Uh, Dennis would tell you that spec and layout drives strategy and tactics, okay? So you can't be a bulk bed department and have uh, a 1,500-gallon tank with hose beds that are 90 inches off the ground. It's not going to happen. You're not going to be able to get hand lines to pull correctly and when they're that high up and get them. So uh, how you spec your rig is important. So with that, just on a short version, uh, when we did our spec process, we wrote out, well, why does it exist? Well, life safety Just like anybody's organization, life safety is still the number one reason that we do everything we do in the fire service, right, uh, in everything we do. So we wrote that on the board. So we figured out that getting rid of our crosslays, lowering hose beds to make our stretches, right, you get one chance to stretch that first line. So uh, for me, the hose bed became like it is the princess on the float. It gets the best seat in the house, and we will build the rest around that. Um, and then we were able to CAD print what was left and end up with about a 650-gallon tank. Um, so we went, uh, at one thing I didn't know, 500 or 750, there's all this debate. Well, it turns out they can just CAD print the space that's left and build you a custom tank. You'll pay for it, but that other minute of water, turns out that's important. Um, and I could go down a crazy rabbit trail, but we timed all our evolutions. And if you time a couple hundred feet of LDH and make an hydrant, right, we were frequently having a lapse in water supply. So realistically, like just for a short version, ladders are back on the fenders where they belong, right, for an engine company, um, which is new to us, or I should say 
is going uh, cyclical back to when I started. There was ladders on the fender. So um, I would just say this on our new engine spec and on engine specs for anybody listening, like give the hose bed, right? Build it around the hose bed. Give the rear hose bed, uh, it, give it its due. It's, it's for us, it's the most important piece is where we stretch hand lines from. Uh, water is important. Getting ladders quickly and important. And all those things are based off of saving people who pay our wages. Right on, brother. Right on. Uh, love it. Thank you, Tyler, for the question. Hold on while I catch up. I've been, I've been posting links. There's a link in the, in the chat for the, uh, quantitative, the article parts one and part two. There's a link in the chat. Uh, also, this is a very open-ended question, but it leads into what we're talking about, changing from the bottom up and everything else. There's other things I want to talk about, but Brian Ritter wants to ask you, Derek, what was the biggest challenge in changing your department's culture? Oof. Um, honestly, uh, it was my generation. It was, this, it was the senior guys, uh, and I get that. So uh, I went – I'll just I'll put it this way. I went too hard too soon, right? So my biggest advice, like – if you're, if you're taking the time to watch this right now tonight, then I bet you're the same kind of people that the rest of us are, where we're constantly trying to help our fire departments be better um, at providing service. Um, so with that, uh, the biggest mistake I had is I was on fire. Like I had got all this information. In 2017, the first time that I saw somebody uh, doing a clamp slide, I described it as somebody uh, looked like a dog scraping his ass, itching his ass across the parking lot, right? Because out of context, it meant nothing to me. I didn't get it. So with that, um, once I learned it and I got on fire about it, I pushed too hard too soon. So my first thing I would tell you is be realistic on the change you're trying to make, right? So uh, the other thing is when I realized I had put too much information into the intro class to my senior people, right? To the guys on the line, not the new people. The second time I came back and I hit it from a way different perspective that was just like, look, we have put out a lot of fire with our, with our TFT right? Uh, nozzles and our shitty kinky hose and all this other stuff we've had. Like I, we have put out fire and we have saved humans in this fire department. Right. This is yes. not to take away anything from anybody. Right. I should raise your hand if you've had your ass kicked from a TFT nozzle with a hundred at the tip, right? If you don't raise your hand, like, uh, and then my follow-up question was raise your hand if you open it as far as you could and hang on to it, but it looked like it might be open all the way. Like you're trying to hide it from your buddies that you're not you know, you're not weak. You, could, you couldn't handle it. Yeah. You couldn't, right? So yes. uh, so then when you give them this and then you give them the background of the fire behavior and you just hit it from a super humble place, like, hey, and instead of like, I think in the American Fire Service, you should be knee walking while you're pushing. I think that Aaron figured it out better than anybody. I do. And I've tried Camillo's and I've tried right knee up. And if you're doing it that way, I'm not saying it's bad, but I'm saying that I think that that position is dominant. But you can't lead with that, right? So I led with, Walk on your knees like a toddler and move the line around. Turn it on, leave it on, and move it around. Now, is that perfection? Absolutely not. But if you did that on your next fire, if you're currently not doing that and you did that on your next fire, will it be a better fire attack than anything you have done prior to that? Yes. The answer to that is yes, right? I can't influence your past. I can only influence your future. So I think that that is, um, I think that is the way that you have to go. That was the biggest hiccup was getting the senior guys on board. Now, once you get them on board, right, it takes a minute, but then the phone starts to ring and they start to call you back. I've had apologies. I've had written apologies. I've had phone calls. I've had guys take me out for a beer and be like, man, I was a thorn in your side for the last five years. Um, and I get it, 
right? Or they go on the next fire with a nozzleman who, I mean, here's the beauty. Our nozzles in my department, there's 170 or so, right? So 90 some odd percent chance in my department, you're getting somebody who's been through this program and they're right. going to be pretty damn good at it. So uh, it's proving itself, but um, getting to the senior guys and doing it the right way and uh, being humble about it and being realistic with your expectations. Those are the hurdles you're going to, you're going to find uh, Mr. Ritter. Beautiful. Okay. I'm pulling up my man, Rob Fisher. One of my favorite, one of my favorite people on this planet. Um, I want to say that out loud. Uh, three question topics to bring up with Captain Derek Roberts. That's oh, the that's the uh, <laughs> uh, title of this. Have him talk about the importance of family in the fire service, more specifically his grandfather. So I want to hear uh, you know legacy and and what it means to you, etc. Bro, you're gonna he's just trying to make me cry is all he's doing. Uh, so uh, I grew up uh, in Fire District Seven, which is where I started as a resident. Um, and my grandfather was one of the uh, original members, uh, founding members of fire district seven. So, um, I grew up around it. I grew up, uh, my grandparents watched it. Both my parents had to work. We didn't have much. Um, and so I stayed, uh, until I went to school, I was with my grandparents. And when I got off the bus, I was with my grandparents. Right. Uh, and so my grandpa was still a fire commissioner. He did, uh, 49 years with fire district seven, including the fire chief for a decade. Um, and he died as a fire commissioner. He was a a standing elected fire commissioner uh, the day that he died. Wow. So my roots go deep. I listened to a Plectron from the, literally from the time I can remember those old uh, super obnoxious pagers. And uh, I just, I listened to it all day, every day. Uh, Hope who played piano in my church, Hope uh, was the original dispatcher. There was no dispatch. So when you moved into the neighborhood, you got Hope's phone number who played piano in the local church. And when you called her, she, you told her where the address was, like, hey, Mrs. Mr. Smith's house on fire. Cool. She called all the firefighters that were close to Mr. Smith's house. And then her husband went out with a crank air raid siren and hand cranked an old donated army, army air raid siren to call people. So that's how deep rooted my family goes in it. Um, and my grandfather's my hero. Uh, he was a Navy CB, uh, two purple hearts. Oh, like, yeah. just an amazing, amazing human. And he, he, he died in, 19, in January of 1999 when I was a senior in high school and I went through the fire Academy in August of 99. Um, but yeah, the, the family rooted history, you may not have it and that's okay. Um, but when you do like, I don't know, like he's the most important uh, figure I probably had in my entire life. Uh, he, he's just a, he wasn't a perfect human by any means, right? Um, he, but he had like, he had a good heart and good intentions and good work ethic. And I think that like, we can sit here and talk about characteristics of a good firefighter and all of them are great, but it, judge a person by their heart, man. If your heart's correct and you're trying to do the right things and you can back that up with a work ethic, like that's the guy I want. We can make anybody, we can make anybody a firefighter that has those kind of qualities in my opinion. Mm. So anyways, that, that deep rooted family history um, for me is just, it hits me in my heart. I didn't well up Rob. Nice try. Um, but uh, don't worry, yeah, Rob's I, got more. Rob's got more. We'll see if we can get you on round two. All right, round two from Rob Fisher, straight at Derek Roberts. Derek's department has made a huge leap in training and operations. Ask why he thinks this was possible. What type of environment makes this possible? Ooh, I love that. Um, That's why well, I love Rob. I, I know, right? Gosh. Uh, <laughs> for, for one, I. 
If you ask anyone in my department, I've always cared about being good at this job and I always love the fireside. Um, and I tried to help back in the day, but different administrations, different eras, different training divisions, like it was always come help us, but you have no input, just, just do what we say, build the prop how I want it, right? And after time, you just go, yeah, whatever. So um, I think that things happen for a reason. I was, I was challenged by a good friend of mine, Andrew Heller. Um, he said, I was bitching around the table one day and he said, do you remember when you used to use your powers for good? Uh, and that one cut me to the core, right? Because I can talk shit with the best of them. So uh, anyways, uh, me going to the training division as a, at the time, 15 year person at my department, like almost 20 years total. And I go in there. So I'm young enough still to spend with the young people, but I've been around long enough to where the guys that are still there from the eighties, right? Right. They they kind of are starting to claim you, you know how that is. Like when you first hired, those guys don't claim you, but after like halfway through your career, it's like, Oh yeah, they're one of the old guys. So a lot of it was just timing, right? Um, My neighboring agencies, uh, they were uh, ahead of us Not, uh, in, in a lot of ways. They were ahead of us on this curve of, of changing and using data uh, and science to support how we were doing business. Um, so that was a big part of it. Um, the other thing is sometimes, man, you just get lucky. You just get lucky. Like uh, a chief came in, he brought in an assistant chief. He's from the outside. He don't make it that long. So now he's out the door. That nice. creates a bunch yeah. of upward movement, right? Sure, but sure. The guy who was one of the original truck leads of the academy uh, went to battalion chief, and then he all of a sudden went to deputy chief of training. So now you got a guy that's been pushing it, trying to get us a tiller for over a decade, and just like it just starts to happen, and then they promote a fire chief who was my captain at Station 10, right? And this guy is he's smarter than you, he's tougher than you, he's stronger than you. He's got cauliflower ear. My fire chief has cauliflower ear from jujitsu in both of his ears. Right on. Uh, and he's just he's a down ass G, man. I mean, this guy is in. And so for me, like it just uh I think the reason was the hiring, right? So it's not that anybody that was retiring was bad. It was just that I I wasn't having to change a bunch of people's minds. Right. I what we did as a group is just we told uh, the new people how it will be. Like, this is how you will fight fire. And we might have quasi told half-truth that, yep, this is this is what you're going to do when you get out on the line. Uh, we weren't there yet, but that's okay. We just kept stuffing them people and stuffing them people. Uh, we rewrote uh, we rewrote the probie book to train the senior people as well. Like, nice. after the drills that we were using also has all those components. They teach fire behavior to all three company officers they're assigned to to all three crews, I should say, that they're assigned to. And we just kind of backfed this system. So um, I'm not that good, Rob. Uh, you were probably trying to let me, you know, bump myself up just a hair like I did something awesome. Uh, we hired 170 people and a bunch of dead weight on the top that was in our way uh, that only made it like a year and a half with us. They went out the door and all of a sudden I was like, okay, game but on. I, but I, but I want to really say, and I want to dig in because there's a, Someone had to take advantage of that 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 circumstance of the of the dead weight falling off and the new weight coming in. Someone somebody had to take advantage of that for it to 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 culminate. It it, it did, and and that's why I say I I was probably the right guy. I didn't plan on being that guy, but I was in the training division on day shift. Right, I was driving 150 miles a day just to go to work and back every single day. Um, and then I had uh, Todd Weigel and Dave Wells and uh, Don Welch and our entire training division. Uh, it was the right people. Those are all people that I had personal relationships with. And when I came in and started talking push attack and smooth bores, right? 
even they were like, uh, kinda, but your tinfoil hat's showing, right? right. Um, so, but from there it was just buying. And um, I said this, I've only done one podcast before this, only one. So this is my second time ever trying to speak on this level. I don't know why you guys it. You're crushing it, so I love it. I love it's it. Some, <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's a view, it's an opinion, it's, it's my lens, right? Right. Um, but uh, literally it was just, when, when you have this kind of passion, go find the person you know is gonna be your advocate. Right. And one becomes two, two becomes 10, 10 becomes 50. And now I would say we're at 250 of our 370 people. I'd say 250 are bought in. They're not just bought in. This is how they do business. Right. 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 This is normal. That's pretty good. Not good numbers. And once you get to 50 percent plus one, the the snowball picks up momentum and it gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And now you can't run around. It's hard to have these arguments around the beanery because uh, the answers that were instilled in me, I instilled them in the next generation. 50% plus one, man. And then just uh, get it. Just, then just stand back. Let it go. Let him watch it. It's fun. <laughs> next question is coming from Kyle Romagas. Derek, my brother, you talked about it on episode one of the Pipeman, but can you explain flowing and moving fire attack, comparing it to advanced CPR here as well? Oh. How long you okay. got? Here's my deal. I got to hit the head. This is all you to explain CPR. You got enough time? Yeah, yeah, I got that. Oh, okay. yeah. And right, if you me. take a while, don't worry. I'll figure it out. I can okay, fill good. that in. Like you wouldn't believe. Good. Um, yeah, so I think, Kyle, what's, what Kyle's referring to is um, when we started to sell this uh, to our more senior people, which, mind you, it's easy when they're new because we have them for whatever. They're in the academy 16 weeks, right? 16 weeks of 100% attention to the fire service. So, uh, when you get out to the senior guys, you get drilled for like an hour and a half once a quarter where you're getting all the multi-company drills. So something we came up with uh, to make a good analogy that I think spent with a lot of people was uh, we have done all these like like penciling, right? Uh, Lloyd Layman's limiting the water, uh, short bursts off the ceiling. That was That's what was taught in my region. And so uh, that came in in like the early 50s. So I went and researched, well, what were they teaching for CPR in the 1950s? Well, they weren't because it hadn't been invented yet. They were still doing like our, you know, uh, dumb and dumber in with the good out with the bad leg pumps. Uh, they were doing like roll them over on their stomach, lift the arms up and down, trying to get the air going in their lungs. And so I kind of put this as uh, with CPR, we all do high performance CPR, right? Based off the American Heart Association. Why do we do that? Well, it's simple. We do it because the data, right? And the science behind it says it saves more people than the way we did it in the past. Well, guess what the UL study says? It's just the same damn thing from the fireside. More water on the approach to the seat of the fire creates more tenable space for trapped occupants and suppression crews. Straight out the UL, right? More water is better. If it's good for them, it's good for us. So I said, I'll just hold you accountable. What would happen on your next CPR if you went out and did what they were doing in the 50s when Lloyd Lehman's uh, teachings, which by the way, were misinterpreted, total different uh, subject. But if you go back to that, uh, what would happen on your next CPR if none of us pumped on the chest and we just rolled them onto their belly and lifted their arms? Well, you'd be shit canned in a hurry, right? I mean, you'd be fired or written up or whatever, yet we won't hold ourselves the same accountability level when it comes to the fireside. This isn't opinion-based firefight. Uh, with, with the advent of the internet and the ability to exchange information and the UL studies, right, which is not an end-all be-all, but it is a great set of data to pull from when you're looking at your own fire department. So uh, if we're fighting fire that isn't data-based, 
it, it would be the same as if we weren't doing CPR uh, that's database. The other one that I don't understand, most of us love fire more than EMS. Uh, when they change CPR, we bitch for like a week and then we move on with our lives. But if you change fire attack and nozzles, everybody, it's like, it's this whole, like people take it so personally, like they have done something wrong and they'll fight you for years over it. And I, I just, I don't know. I, I don't understand it. They'll, they'll listen to the EMS data, but they don't want to hear science and data on the fire side. But anyways, I digress. I caught the tail end because of you carrying and brother. No, I love it. People, uh, Greg Van Ham said, truth bomb right there. No one ever drowned on the fire ground. Just a beautiful reference. Great analogy, brother. 100%. And Smoothbrook Cartel said, hashtag period. Dude, absolutely <laughs> love it. Thank you for sharing it because it is, it is powerful. It is, man. It's, it, it's, it's just, uh, I mean, it's just using the data for good, right? I mean, we all know, I'm sure most people listening to this have read most of those studies, right? And unfortunately, they weren't released. Like, I think they did a little damage in the beginning. Uh, you know, they started, they started talking about uh, transitional attack or exterior. The bottom. marketing of slicers really hurt a lot, you know, however totally, you want to say right? it, but yeah, yeah. It is, and all that stuff, it was just bad timing, really. But if you take the studies, like, here's a simple one. Transitional attacks is a real easy one to point this out. Like, if you data and science is only as good as the question you ask. If you ask, how do I reduce some of the temperature, right, some of the temperature the quickest possible, well, your answer would be that I could flow water from an exterior window. But if you're, if you're asking the data to say, what is the best way that I could stop this fire in its tracks, stop it from spreading to internal exposures and save humans that are potentially trapped inside. We all know that the, the, the gold standard is through is an offensive attack, right? Right. Water on so, the base of the fire. Absolutely. Totally. So remember that when you're using data, like uh, we had people try to use the UL study against us to say, well, we should do a transitional attack every time. Well, yeah. If you were talking about how can you kind of take most of the heat out of it uh, for a while and buy some time, but that has nothing to do. If you take that study and you take the survivability study and you put them together, Right. You would never like you would only flow water from the exterior because you had to. Right. So in our region, we were fortunate. The county adopted the document that said we'll only flow water from the exterior because of delay. If you're delayed on an interior attack. Right. I don't know if that delay is in your department. Two in, two outs, not really a delay in my apartment department. People are showing up. If there's bars or a bad forcible entry or whatever, then by all means, I'm not against exterior water. It's just got to be a crime of opportunity. You got to do it because you have to, not because you want to. So anyways, that's a good way to correlate those two back. I absolutely love it, man. Absolutely love it. All right. See him. Hey, hey, if you got questions for Derek, please get them in. All right. I'm going to see what, I'm going to see what Rob had to throw at you. Cause I got to pull up my phone again. One second. That's okay. That's okay. Uh, how do you get a department to transition from something they are comfortable with, i.e. pre-connects combination nozzles to something new? We kind of touched on this, but if you want to dig into anything specific. Yeah, I mean, I, I think you just got to prove it, right? Like um, we did we did nozzle studies. I already knew the answer, but you can't just come to the upper echelon with an answer, right? Like you got to come with them. Um, here was the problem first. Here's the research that we did on it. And now here's the answer, right? You just can't. And, and that's where I think some people go wrong. We want smooth bore nozzles and combat sniper hose because it's, uh, it's the best combination in the entire American fire service. That's opinion based, but Perfect. almost actual based, almost database. Um, so, so let's say you, uh, you go and you just go straight with that. Well, that's not going to get you anywhere. Right? But for me, the fire chief at the time, 
uh, I was working on this nozzle study and he asked me, hey, what are you working on there? Because I didn't have direct access to the fire chief. I didn't know the man. He was new. He was new. He's from California. So I didn't know him. And I almost fell out of my chair when he asked me because I was like, oh, well, we went out and tested all our TFTs and uh, they're also old and broken. We're averaging 93 gallons per minute. NFPA says it has to be 150. So, Chief, the problem is, is now that we know this, we can't be ignorant anymore if we don't do anything about right. it. We're negative. Right. We kill a guy. We kill a guy from the department or if a fire goes bad and somebody investigates us like we knowingly are going in with equipment that doesn't meet minimum standards. So I don't know what to do with that. Right. Well, when you hand them, hey, we have a problem. I tested it. Here's the solution. Oh, and by the way, it's cheaper than the fog nozzles you were buying. Right. Here's the whole thing of how you fix it. Right. It, it just it made it easy. Like do the work for them. We all know the meeting before the meeting is usually the most right. important meeting for the meeting. Right. Right. So, right. Uh, if you can come to them with the problem, the data, the, the work, right, the work's already been done and here's the solution and you can hand it over to them, uh, man, it just makes things so much easier. So Love it. That's how we were able to do it quickly. Let me catch you up on some comments. Uh, lots of amens, lots of truth bombs. There's some booms, awesome points. Uh, James Michalisco said, we will ask Chief Turpak about slicers next week. Right. And then uh, following up, uh, Smoothbore Cartel said Turpac's version of slicers is PTFFO. Put the fucking fire out. Right. <laughs> and so I, I bring all that up to say because Turpac, uh, shameless plug right here, is on May 2nd coming on the scrap once again for his second second round. And so you can catch him here then. Well, anyway, you slicer, I think that was a good intent, a bad idea. No, no, one hundred. I like, I like the pun. I love a good, I love a good pun. Um, My dad jokes are on point. Yeah, <laughs> solid. Okay, last point from Rob Fisher. Okay, I have to, I have to include this. He I said, and, and lastly, tell him one of his former officers on L seventy two still loves him, even though he went to the dark side. <laughs> so there you oh, go. Oh man, uh, tell him thank you. I will tell you, I spent uh, four years on ladder seventy two almost, and. Uh, I spent probably another two years on ladder 11. Um, so I am a recovering trucky, or as I like to say, you can barely see the scar when they put my brain back in, when I went back to the engine, you can barely back see to the scar. Yeah. It's, healed. it's healed. So um, no, man, I, this is the beauty. I love the truck versus engine banter, but at the end of the day, man, it's all firefighter work. 100%. Uh, and if you're not running in a dual house, I bet you're doing a little of both. All right, I want to ask you about complacency because it's, it, my, my whole deal is a never-ending fight against complacency. And someone messaged me today, in fact, it was earlier today, and said, I have this question about what do you do when, when you have fired up people coming out of the academy, but you have to stick them at a, at a house with complacent officers that you know you shouldn't be sticking them with? What do you do with that? Man, and it's a great question, and it's something that, that, that a lot of people have no control over, but it's the reality. And I... I even though it may be a dead end question you don't want to deal with, I'm still going to throw it at you. Say, what do you think? Well, and, and this, this goes back to our beginning deal. Like uh, I think this is why mentors are so important. Mm. Like uh, if you've been in the fire service 10 years, you've worked for a bad officer and you've called a good officer for advice, right? Like I, I would say that's a pretty common thing to happen in the American fire service. So that mentorship becomes even more important for somebody that you know is in a not so good situation. I have had probies where I'm checking the schedule and I know their personalities because I train them in the academy. So you see maybe not as aggressive personality with a human who is very aggressive, right? Complacent, but aggressive, right? right? Uh, aggressive in attitude, not in firefighting. Right. Um, so, so those for me, when I see those situations and any of my, I call them my kids because I'm 41 sure. now and I call everyone 
even the guy who got hired was 52 in the academy. I still call him a kid. But we're all yeah, kids. Yeah. So uh, you can ask any of the kids that I guarantee there's a few listening tonight. Like I will, I make those phone calls and I say, Hey, here's some of the things you may run into and here's how I think you combat them. So I would say mentorship uh, is the biggest thing um, from there. Try to just try to be a part of, of the positive change. Uh, I'm fortunate enough, at least for right now, I haven't turned into white noise quite yet at my department. I think I'm probably close uh, because I've been talking and changing things for, you know, I'm a swear word to the people that are unengaged in my fire department because wow. I, I, I added work to their workload. Um, but I was do, fortunate. Do you wear that as a, is that a badge of honor? Or is that something you fight against? What, where do you fall on that? Cause it's, it's yeah, a fine it's line. A, it's a mix of both because between effective and, and, and proud, you know, it's a mix of both, man. Cause like I've lost friends through this sure. process, which, which is, that's just really strange to say out loud. Um, it sucks because I'm like, I'm a pretty forward and tough person, but at the end of the day, I'm still a human and I right. don't like to be disliked, man. I don't like the drama. I don't like the stuff that talks behind my back and the, the lies and the, and the half truths that are told about me all the time. Um, but I just, I know I've made it better. Like I'm not on a, something I've been working on. I'm not unaware of my own value. And, and I think that's okay. I think it's different being aware of your own value and being cocky and egotistical are two nice. completely different things. Nice. Nice. So um, I know my own value. So that's what helps me get through those times. Um, but I'm fortunate in my agency. I, I have a, I think the people who are engaged, I think they're grateful that I am so obsessed with fixing this problem, right. With fixing what I think is fixing the, the fire service in my department. So um, I'll give you one that I have used for complacency. I do it with every recruit class. And I just got uh, fortunate enough to teach. I taught command staff training last week. Me and a four-year firefighter in my department taught an engine company and a tactics and fire behavior class to battalion chief and above. Mm. So that's a pretty rad thing to do, yeah, right? Yeah, no uh, doubt. And we did it on four days notice. And so I'll just tell you how I – how I start these classes and how I start my fire behavior talk um, in the academy is the same thing. Like I made in that room, we started with, with the chiefs of like, Hey, like, does everyone in here love somebody? Right. You raise your hand if you love somebody. And I don't care if you're, if you're in the academy class or the chief, like everybody loves somebody. And so in my fire behavior class, we just do one bedroom of fire to start because it's a very simple conversation when you're talking about intakes and exhausts and things like that. So in ours, it's a rancher rambler drawing with a single bed of fire in the Charlie Delta corner. Well, I'd been working through this fire a little bit with the chiefs, just have a baseline talk. And I said, okay, I got one for you. And this is where you got to internalize things. Um, and you, this, this for me, I've had people call me and say, I've been complacent. And this reminded me of why I can't be. So I just say, okay, so we've talked about this right outside of this Charlie Delta, this Charlie Delta bedroom fire, right in the hallway, the ULX, right? They put an X there right near the fire room on UL. I said, that is your person. So you drive home, you're off duty. You're in your really fancy pickup truck because we're with a bunch of battalion chiefs. They make a lot of money. Uh, and I said, you roll in and you don't know. You didn't talk to your wife that morning or your husband or your partner or whoever. And you don't know, are they in there? Are my kids in there? And you don't know. I was like, how many of you are going to go straight in there? No bunker gear, no nothing. Everyone raises their hand in the room. I guarantee you. If I was making people raise their hand, if you're listening to this podcast, if you truly close your eyes and think about the people that you love, like, would you go into a one bedroom fire with no gear on? Yes, you would. Okay. And then I asked him, I said, if you're thinking of that person that you love, uh, to what level would you go? 
is death an option? Raise your hand if death's an option. And every single person that I've ever said this to, and I've said this to hundreds and hundreds of people in my life, and they raise their hand and they say, yes, death is an option. And I say, good, because the, be- the beautiful thing about love is we don't get to love our people any more than the people who pay our wages, right? Like they love their humans just the same. And they want that level, um, they want that level of professionalism. They think that we are all, uh, that we are all perfectly trained. They think we all put in the level of effort that Ramagus does, that you do, that all the people that I've talked about on this podcast do. They, they assume that. That's why we're so highly regarded as an industry, right? We could go all the way back to Ray McCormack, 2008 or 9 FDIC, right, of the loss of public trust is our greatest risk oh. in the American Fire Service. That changed my life. Those words and, and the discipline that came after that, it was worth it. And I got to tell him that to his face at HROC yes. one year. You changed my life. So anyways, back to my point, when you internalize that, like, uh, or you can go into the, uh, I think it's Shannon Stone that talks about judge yourself by your children's standards. Children's standards, if, 100%. If Shannon you Stone. knew there was going to be a fire at your house in the next 30 minutes, would you spend the next 30 minutes any different? Like if you, if you can get that to them, that helps, right? I've done it with one of my medics at my station. Guy was slow to get out to the rig. So I played the same game. It's your kid, right? Your kid's choking. Are you going to have this kind of response level? Or are you going to move with the purpose of the rig? Well, guess what? When it internalized, right, the complacency he had, which was putting himself or thinking of himself, like that moves forward. And he's like, yeah, 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 you're right. And he apologized. He's an amazing human. And he's a medic I want working on my family. But it doesn't matter who those people are. If you can internalize that life or death and realize what you're willing to, to do to save your people and realizing that, the people out there feel the same way, man, if that doesn't cut you to the core, then we have a different problem, which is that bottom 10% that is character red flag problems and deserves to be fired from the American fire service. Like those people still exist in the fire service. It's too bad, but they do. I I don't know how to fix that one yet. So uh, yeah, if you want to talk about getting complacent, I think that a restructure of your thought process, and I'll challenge anyone here, go to your next fire and picture the person that you pictured when I asked you if you love somebody, Picture they're in this building. I bet you're going to look for where the bedrooms are differently. I bet you're going to check the layout differently. I bet you're going to make sure your things are tight and that you have all your equipment and that you're ready to go. I bet you mask up quicker than you ever have. So anyways, that's a great way to internalize things if you put it into your own life. Dude, brother, that was a phenomenal tirade. I I put that on an epic level. Uh, thank you for it. Uh, I will read you some of the comments as you as you went through it. Uh, I'm trying to get there. That's a badge of honor. Amen. We're grateful. The kids, we are grateful. Those that lack discipline, dislike accountability. Boom. A fucking men preach. Well said. Hell yes. And we should never tarnish that image. Effing preach. They call wanting the best person. Don't let them down. Just heard the opening for when this podcast hits Spotify. Uh that's a different viewpoint of that topic. Boom. Yeah, dude, 100%, man. Thank you for the tirade. And I mean that from the bottom of my heart. Uh, I don't know a better way to say that than thank you for the tirade. I appreciate it. Uh, it's called, uh, my friends call it my travel soapbox. I just pop it up whenever I got to hop on it, you know? Brother, it <laughs> woo, son. That's both of said. Woo, son. Yes, 100%. Um, man, I feel so inadequate following that up. Uh, good lord! <laughs> Pulling up my notes. Give me one second. That's okay. Up. That's okay. Uh, 
I love asking. No, I, I don't want to. I don't want to uh, cut out anything because I got I got to cover complacency. But let's go to books. Book or books? Are you a reader? I don't know if you're a reader. I didn't talk to you about reading yet. But no, that's okay. Books or books that you think firefighters should be reading? Books that have okay. impacted your life. Uh, good. Uh, well, this one's pretty simple. But uh, I was raised in the church. Went away from the church, and then you have kids, and you start to worry, and you realize there's got to be something more to life. So uh, the Bible has shaped me in a lot of ways. Uh, so uh, I'll just throw that out there because that's who I am, and it's uh, and and I'm proud of that. So that's a big one for me. Um, as far as being a big book reader, no, I'm not a big book reader. Um, I read things that catch my interest. Uh, I like listening to podcasts because I think that that verbal communication for me is just how I live. It's my love language. Uh, anyone that knows me knows I talk a lot and I love conversation, and I'll stay up till the wee hours of the morning having a great conversation. So I'm more of a podcast guy. Um, I'm currently reading uh, Clark's Firefighter Principles from 1974, only because I love history and I love uh, hearing how they looked at things. And it's funny that they came to some of the same conclusions that that this renaissance of the American Fire Service is coming to right now. Right. Without all the same budgets and funding and all that. And science Um, and and sensors and yeah, computers. Right. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Um, So, yeah, those uh, that. The UL studies, I have read at nauseum. Uh, I'm currently working on pulling every quote and graph out and then putting them in order of search, engine, truck. I'm kind of like pulling them out that way. We're trying to come up with a best uh, practices manual for the science that came out of UL. So it's just a document that I'm working on. So that's oh, the man, stuff I bro. read. I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited about that. I love the summaries. I love the actual... I- I print out the 700 page things and then I, I, I thumb through the, the data. Cause I'm honestly, I mean, it's beyond me, but I love the summaries even more, but then man, when people take the data and make something palatable or even yeah. understandable to my ADHD firefighter brain. Absolutely. Dude, totally. So yes. I feel, yes. I feel the same way. So honestly, I haven't sat down and read a good book in years. Uh, for those, uh, look, I swear like half the American fire service should be like, they should just plumb Adderall into the stations. They just put it in the water, like fluoride or something. <laughs> uh, because my problem with reading books is I'm like, I get a paragraph, two paragraphs and all of a sudden something. Right. Or my phone rings text message. And I'm sure just like you, I got irons in the fire brother. And uh, I'm, I'm, I'm literally spinning plates at all times. I got my whole oh, man, man, entirely separate tirade on books and why people uh, don't take the time to read or get distracted, but not the point. Um, absolutely. I love, and, and Willie Clark, one of the best and the UL studies. All right. So we have a thing we do on the weekly scrap. It is called the five questions for firefighters. It went on for 120 episodes, at which point we switched it up and called it the next five questions for firefighters. We're getting close to retiring the next five questions for firefighters, but we're not there yet. So bottom line is this, the questions, there are no right or wrong answers. They're just your opinions. Okay. The uh, points are arbitrary. I'm full of those. (laughs) (laughs) The the points are arbitrary. They're assigned by me with the help of the studio audience and uh, studio audience, the live internet audience. And um, bottom line is this, are you ready for the next five questions for firefighters? I'm ready, Corley. I love it. Let me make sure I have the uh, audience here to help me out all right there we go making sure all right here we go number one what single characteristic separates the top tier go-to badass firefighter from a run-of-the-mill 
just firefighter. Oh, it's easy. It's grit. grit. It's grit. The inability to quit, right? I'm not in the best shape. I'm not the smartest. I'm not the fastest, but I do have an inability to quit. Uh, grit is passion put into action and action is what gets things done. So uh, easy answer, grit. Dude, that was one of the most fluid answers ever. That was like from the hip. Yeah, I was going to study and I forgot. I forgot Dude. to write down the questions. I, I didn't even get to write down my note. Action put, or, or, or the inability uh, yeah. to quit. Action put into what? Passion is action or is uh uh is passion put in grit is passion put into action. Passion put into action. Yes, dude. Yep. Uh easily. Uh one of the easiest max points I've ever given. I'm not even checking the audience on that one. That was great, <laughs> dude. I loved the alliteration mixed with the just the delivery. Okay, number two. If you could go back in time and give yourself, Derek Roberts, one piece of advice as a rookie, what would it be? Oh God. Man, that, that one's actually way tougher. Uh, if uh, I would tell myself to slow down. Uh, man, in my young 20s, like, um, it's, okay, uh, it's okay to have all that passion. And I was always just moving a million miles a minute, and I was trying to draw, like, all of it out at one time out of any senior person, um, which I know that, that that was probably, like, a tad bit annoying. Um, and then someone that I spend a lot of time talking to right now, and I'm mentoring a kid who doesn't really need me, He's actually uh, my handler and he's more watching me. Um, but I've watched uh, this guy, uh, AC, I, I've watched him. He listens, right? He actually takes more time to listen. So if I could go back, I'd tell myself to slow down and listen, right? That's something that uh, I'm still working on. But I probably talked, I wanted so much information. I spent too much time asking and less time listening and really taking it all in. So for any new firefighter, take more time to listen. Brother, I... If anybody knows me, they know I have uh, nine L words that I love. Listen is number two. And so without a doubt, uh, two for two, max points for listening. Man, I don't think you could. I think it's the number one way to improve your communication skills like today, just by listening. Number three. I'm not any good at it, by the way. I'm not any better at it now, 20 some odd years later. No, but- 100%. It's, it's the journey. It's the journey and it's the, it's the willingness to try and do so. 100%. Yep. And yep. Uh, if anybody thinks they conquered anything, they're fooling themselves. Uh, yeah. Number three, what is, and I like, I really want to know this question, but because uh, someone asked it earlier and I, I delayed it because of the five questions, but what is your favorite training drill? Favorite training drill? Oh, that's easy. Uh, stretch in center hall apartments. Uh, I think that stretching houses, uh, like stretching the residential setting, uh, stretching garden style, I think are, um, I think they're, they're a bread and butter for us, or I actually hate that term. It's a very normal thing that we do, and we do a lot of it. Um, but I love stretching three- and four-story center halls uh, because I think it's a difficult stretch, um, calling out clean clean hall or dirty hall. So you may have to set up a, like, dirty hall. you got to set up into the stairwell. Uh, clean hall, obviously, it's a completely different stretch. So planning for that, um, I just got to do this. I worked a company the other day. I had a four-man engine. We have three-man companies. But I had a four-person engine the other day just for fat staffing, and I had a probationary guy, a three-year guy, and a four-year guy acting driver up in the seat. And we had one of the best firemanship days I've had in I don't know how long. And I just – we practiced a little on the drill ground, and I was like, nah, this is stupid. We're doing an external stairwell. Ran to a local uh, right down the street, uh, Eagles Landing, one of the gnarliest places we go to. Uh, but it's three-story <laughs> center hall. And on our drive there, I just said, look, we got smoke. Uh, about halfway down alpha side floor three nothing shown on charlie we know there's entrapment um when we pull up i want you guys stepping off the rig like this is for real 
And just the way that it flowed and it went, like we go to this place so much, we have a key to the door. You don't have to go get Knox keys. You don't have to force doors. So I threw the keys to the acting driver and said, hey, get that thing open. Boom, he opens it, chalk right off his helmet and in through the center halls with, you know, Minuteman on his shoulder. I flipped mine into a Minuteman. We're just paying out hose. It's the best drill you can do. It's quick and it's team building. And when you knock it out of the park, you're riding that lightning for the rest of the shift. Mm. That morale, that, 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 I don't even know what you call it, the camaraderie from shared effort and, and mm-hmm. victory. Yes, dude. I love it, man. Woo. Number four. I love this question. What mistake have you learned the most from in your fire service career? Oh, mistake. I've learned the most from, um, this one, this one's kind of recent, I think is why it's popping in my head. Um, but, uh, having discernment on, on who you're working with, right? So on, on who you're trusting and who you put a lot of effort into. So, uh, this one, this one's happened to me a couple of times, uh, where you, you put a lot of trust in somebody that, that maybe, um, that, that maybe didn't take that trust real seriously. Sure. Um, and so really like, I, I guess there's probably a better way to say this. Like, I think that we all know that there's a bottom operating percent in almost any fire department. I don't care if it's FDNY, Detroit, or, or South County. Right. Um, and I think we got to be there for those people and try to capture the people that we can. Um, but with that, like I've wasted a lot of my own time. I've wasted a lot of my family's time by thinking that I could fix everybody. Um, so I don't know. I mean, this one, if you knew the backstory, it's just a, it's recent and uh, it's really brought that to the forefront of my mind. So I am uh, putting, I'm focusing on putting effort into people who are putting effort into themselves, I guess is how I would put that so that I'm not wasting time for my family. Right. You can't save time. Right. You can't make time. You can only use it wisely. So I was processing. I was following. Yeah. 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 I, I, was, I was, I was, I was, I was trying to track. I was trying to track. No, I love the answer. Especially because uh, it, it really comes down to what you're talking about. It's for a uh, circle of influence versus circle of concern. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And, and kind of the Kobe's. Uh, yeah. I, just, I guess if I sum that up to say it better, because I don't even know what I was saying there. I, I kind of went in a roundabout way. Sure. It's just using your time wisely, like choosing where you're going to invest it. Like uh, when you're involved in the American Fire Service, I'm sure your, your phone is blowing up all the time. Your emails you're splitting time. I turn my phones off when, uh, when it has to be family time because I want to make sure that that's quality. And so being discerning with your time uh, and make sure you're spending it in a place that is worth it. Um, I think that's important. No, bro. That's a, that, that 100%. Man. Uh, if there is one mistake, I think all of us can relate to it is where we have spent our time. Uh, that was ineffective. Final question, my favorite question, the question that has survived 188 scraps, and it is this, heavy fire, searchable space. Would you rather be assigned to the nozzle or first in on VES? Nozzle, every time, instant, every time. Instant answer. <laughs> every time, every time. Some days I question, like when I watch Nozzlemen fight fire, right. and they're having fun, and then they go back to the station, and they have no cares of the world. Sometimes I ask myself, what have I done? <laughs> right <laughs> but hey yeah if, nozzle for sure. if nothing else than the speed and alacrity with which you and there was no pause there i couldn't even finish the question nozzle nozzle no 100 no, there it is and that officially makes it the five 
the next five questions for firefighters, according to Derek Roberts, which officially makes it 188 scraps in the books. My brother, Derek Roberts, when the audience wants to get a hold of you, uh, what is the best way to do so? Uh, probably Facebook. I mean, I, I don't, I don't use it that much, but it is a great way to communicate. I swear almost every day I'm sending a manual or something or a write-up or a link or whatever. So pretty easy to get me there. Um, then we can just start emailing from there. And should I take phone calls and work for free? Uh, I mean, on a lot of little stuff, if you just need help or direction or, Hey, here's what we're doing. What do you think? Um, I've got to do that for numerous, numerous departments across the country that just, I bet at least a couple times a week, man, I will get to you. I do answer you. I'm pretty quick on it. So I just, so many people put so much into me. I want to be able to take all that data and give it right back to everybody else. I love it. I will say this, dude, this has been a really, I've never met you. I haven't met you. Right. And this has been one of the most, I really, I feel like I'm talking to a, like a good friend and a brother that I've known forever. It's a really good feeling. Uh, Housekeeping. Go to firehousevigilance.com. Mega Scrap Echo is in the works. It's coming. And I, I'm still debating on uh, the, the, uh, the, the, the topic, but it's coming. It's coming. Uh, I really thought there was no... 2022 was amazing. The, the number of guests and the topics, I thought there was no way 2022 would ever be topped. And 2023 is crushing it. It's like it's, like it's own monster. The amazing run of guests is is crushing it. Um, we're we're getting really close to episode 200, which is a huge milestone. I'm excited. I know who the guest is going to be. It's coming. It's going to be a very big deal. Um, everybody out there, show love to the sponsors: Keyhose, Affordable Drill Towers, FDIC. Um, man, FDIC is like literally next week. And uh, here's the deal: everybody, uh, please come to my class. I don't want it to be empty. And so that's like my, my biggest fear in the world is I'm uh, empty. So come to my class. Uh, that's me just being honest. Uh, please, please be there. Uh, if you're not a part of the vigilantes, you are missing out. Go to firehousevigilance.com. Sign up. Five bucks a month. It's the price of a cup of coffee. And you are part of the exclusive community, the exclusive discounts, the exclusive swag, and access to influence the future scraps. Here's the coolest part. Every month or, or roughly once a month we have a forum and then a guest comes on and talks about really cool shit. And Rob Fisher, this, this, this month is coming on and he said, Hey, what do you want to talk about? And he said, I got this book. It's a leadership book, flow based leadership, or we can talk about the wall bonfire. And, and, and everybody, it was like, really, it was like 50, 50. And he said, you know what, let's just talk about flow based leadership and I'll come on again and talk about the wall bonfire. So that's the really kind of cool stuff you get to be involved in is both of them. Uh, if you want to be a part of the Cool Kids Club, go get signed up, firehousevigilance.com. Um, Derek Roberts, thank you for being such a phenomenal guest and making it a great scrap. Yeah, thanks for having me, and thanks for trusting Rob Fisher to say that I was an okay human. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it was Rob. It was Kyle. There was, there was there was quite a few people, right? Yeah. That's cool. That's good. <laughs> it takes a village. It really does. <laughs> <laughs> Audience. I love you all. Uh, you make the scrap what it is. I, I don't know what I would do without each each of you each and every week. Thank you for tuning in live. Um, I love you all. Uh, remember, the mutts don't scrap. I hope the tone stays silent unless it is burning. Everybody, stay safe out there. Thanks for listening to the Weekly Scrap. Please subscribe and please share. We'll see you at the next episode.